0: Good morning. Uh, My name is Ryan, and it is so awesome to be here with you today. Um, uh, To catch everyone up, over the last few weeks, we've been walking through this series called Jesus People. And we've been talking through uh, the story of the the first Christians, the early church, uh, all through the book of Acts. And we've been walking through um, their story and how just a bunch of normal, ordinary people, how they set out to carry on Jesus' vision, his mission, his ministry, and radically transformed the world. Um, Over the last couple of weeks, uh, we've learned that, or what it means to be as Jesus' people sent sent to the furthest corners and the furthest reaches of our world. we we talked about what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit and how when that happens, that changes everything. Last week, we even talked uh, and we, we prayed for specific people, specific places, specific circumstances uh, in our communities, in our families, in our nation, around the world that desperately needed the hope Of Jesus. And so we prayed for healing last week. And so, uh, one of the things that we've talked through and, and, and has really stood out to me over the last couple of weeks is, is this, uh, this, this phrase that says, God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And this is still true today. This is still how God's kingdom is, is being ushered into the world by ordinary people. Who are making strides to do extraordinary things? Um, it's, it's so these these people, these Jesus people. We we, we find ourselves creating these experiences, the, the, these small conversations, these these little moments, these things that may seem seemingly unimportant. But when you tie them all together, there's a grander thing that's happening, and a grander story that is happening. We have a vault of experiences a bank full of experiences to let us know how God showed up or, or whatever. And so to make us a little bit more personal, let, let's use this for, as an example. This morning when you walked in here, you sat down on this chair, not really even thinking much about it. You just decided that you were going to sit down and trust the chair that you're sitting on now because your experiences have told you that chairs are safe to sit on, Right? It's, so you sit down, you don't even think about it, it's second nature. And here, here, here's another one, maybe even a little bit more personal, um, but let's say that you're a Nationals fan, okay? Um, your experience tells you that uh, as a Nationals fan, your team will not make it out of the first round of playoffs. <laughs> Before you throw things at me, I'm a Braves fan my experiences tell me that I'm not even going to the playoffs. So at least you get a few more games than that. Um, and, and so these experiences that we have, that we, we, we put them in our vault and we are able to make decisions and, and we can think through different things when circumstances arise. And so in the, in the story of Acts, in this early church we, we, we've been looking at their experiences and the, the, the moments that they had with Jesus and how that has shaped them to be the people that they are right now. And so we're going to jump back into it. If you have a Bible, open up to Acts chapter 4. Uh, if you don't, it's going to be on the screen. So Acts chapter 4, verse 1. Uh, while Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priests, the captain of the temple guard and some of the Sadducees. These leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus there is a resurrection of the dead. They arrested them, and since it was already evening, they put them in jail until morning. But many of the people who heard the message believed it. So the number of believers now totaled about 5,000 men, not counting women and children. So some backstory, just to kind of help catch us all up. Um, This is a group... Of, of, of Jesus' people who right after Jesus ascended into heaven, they met together and they prayed. They, they didn't really know what else to do. And so their first step was, we, we just need to pray. We need to get together. We need to we, we need to rally around each other. And we just need to pray for God's help. And God showed up in a massive way. And so from there, they went out and they, they, they went to teach. And, and, and Peter stands up and he preaches and like, 3,000 people like, yeah, let's do it. Like, they're all on board and like they changed everything. And so um, so from there, like now we have what's happening here is that there's a 3 p.m. prayer service that Peter and John were walking to. They were going to this prayer service and in, the, in, in inside the temple courts, they see this this crippled beggar and they healed him. And they used this as a moment to teach again. And so with... With all the people that were around, they started to preach. And another massive group of people put their faith in Jesus. And suddenly this Jesus disturbance turned into a mass movement of Jesus' followers. And the religious family, they, they, they took notice. And they said, something has to change. Something needs to be done. Verse 2 says that they were very disturbed, um, very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus, there is a resurrection of the dead. Author and theologian N.T. Wright says, a Resurrection was a radical, dangerous doctrine. If God is going to suddenly put everything right once and for all, they cannot guarantee that they will end up in power in the new world that God is going to make. And so this, this topic of resurrection, this was a, a bold topic. Because this had the ability to transform the, the, the very structures that were in place of this religious body. Verse 5. The next day the council of all the rulers and elders and teachers of religious, religious law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there along with Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and other relatives of the high priest. And they brought in the two disciples and demanded, by what power or in whose name have you done this? By what power and by whose name have you done this? Where Peter and John were, this was not missed on anyone. What was happening was not missed on anyone. These two men stood in front of the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin is, a, is a, the group of religious leaders, of teachers, of elders, the high priest. And in this moment, the high priest, according to this, is Annas. But he was actually removed by the Romans. And so the new high priest that he appointed was his son-in-law, Caiaphas. And so since the Jews believe that the high priest is a lifetime position, they still referred to Annas as the high priest. And so you have this group of 70, 70 some odd people in this high council plus the high priest. And you have Peter and John standing before them. This, this was not missed on anyone. Peter and John were standing in front of these men for speaking about Jesus and proclaiming the news about Jesus. This was the same group of people that Jesus stood before in his final moments. This was not missed on anyone, including Peter and John. And so the council, they asked Peter and John this question that, that it says, by what power or in whose name have you done this? By what power? Who gave you permission? This was something that was typically reserved for disturbers of the peace. By what power? Verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of our people. Are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? So a little bit of snarky. I would imagine, in that conversation. But the word in here, filled. This is a big word. So say it with me. Filled. All right. Thank you. Let's all say this word. Filled. Filled. So the Holy Spirit filled Peter. This says, verse 8, Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter Filled with the Holy Spirit. This is about to get real. Like as you're reading through like some some stories in scripture, like you can see something you're like, oh, this is different. This is a little bit bigger. Like Peter has just been filled by the Holy Spirit. This is the same Holy Spirit that was there when the mountains erupted from the grounds. This is the same Holy Spirit that was there when the the sea parted and and God's people walked Through it. This is the same spirit that was there when the giant Goliath fell down. This is the same spirit that was there that kept the lion's mouth shut. This is the same spirit that walked around in a fire. This is the same spirit that was there in the belly of a whale. This is the same spirit that Jesus breathed onto his disciples. This is the same spirit that was there. It's the same spirit that is in you if you claim to be a, a person, a, a, a Jesus person, a follower of Christ. is that same spirit. This isn't a good feeling. This, this isn't just like being full of chicken nuggets. This is, this is huge. This isn't just a, a, a single moment of bravery. This is the Holy Spirit of God has descended on Peter and it's about to go down. And so he says, are we being questioned because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? And do you want to know how he was healed? Like I imagine that conversation was actually more like, do you really want to know? Do you really, really want to know how this man was healed? And so he goes on. Verse 10 let me clearly state to all of you, or to, to all of you and all of the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, The stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is no salvation in no, or there's salvation in no one else. God has given no no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. And so the religious elite, the most powerful people in the region, these people have now been backed up into a corner by two uneducated men. And we know that they are uneducated men because they are not on the other side of this this room. They're not on the other side of this table. They, they, They are the two uneducated men who are standing in in defiance. And we know that they're uneducated because only the best of the best of the students kept going on to becoming religious leaders and teachers and lawmakers. Guys were fishermen. They were just regular, ordinary men. There was nothing special about them. And now you have the elite who have been cornered. And so now they have to think like, all right, now well, what do we do? Do we make an example out of these two men? Like, like well, what should happen? What should our next move be? Like, should, if, if we go ahead and just crush this Jesus movement now, we may not have to ever worry about it. Let's put as much fear as we can into these people. But the problem is, is that there was a very public healing. There was a man who was crippled, and now he's not. And so there was this very public healing. Healing that happened, and the religious leaders were cornered. Because as the as the council, they needed to, to appear that they were there for the benefit of the people. And punishing men who just healed someone doesn't communicate that. Verse 13. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there among them, there was nothing the council could say. So they ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber and conferred amongst themselves. What should we do with these men, they asked each other. We can't deny that they have performed a miraculous sign, and everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. But to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak uh, speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or to teach in the name of Jesus. We shouldn't be too terribly shocked by what just transpired. In the day that we are living in, in in the the world that we are in right now, the people that are in higher-up positions, they're the ones that control everything, right? They're they're, they're the ones that, if if there's information that's going to get released, they're the ones that say if it's going to get released or not. And so they were the, this council was the higher-ups. They were the ones that were in, in, in charge of making sure that everyone was okay and that the propaganda that was going out was okay, and council approved. So their command of silence and suppression of anything that didn't further their agenda was their last ditch effort to make sure that this group of 5,000 men did not quickly become 10,000 men. Verse 19. But Peter, told, Peter and John replied, Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything that we have seen and heard. The council then threatened them further, but they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. For everyone was praising God for this miraculous sign the healing of a man who had been lame for more than 40 years. Keeping spirit filled believers silent is like trying to keep a wave from breaking. Keeping the, the, the believers of Jesus who have put their hope and their faith and their trust in, in Jesus and the Spirit has dwelt upon them. Keeping them silent is like trying to tell a wave to stop breaking. Something comes over them and they have no option. They, they, they just have to speak. They have to go. They have to tell the world. A few years ago I had, I had a student who... Um, In our our student ministry, we do something called 360. It's You have three people in your life that are not a believer, that, that, that don't know Jesus. Three people that you come in regular contact with, and you commit to praying for them six times a week, and you miss zero opportunities to be Jesus to them. I had a student named David that he, he took this serious. And he, he thought, all right, I'm going to take my three people, I'm going to pray for them, and I'm going to be Jesus to them, and I don't know what that means. I'm in seventh grade, what else can I do? And so he decided that he was going to take three people on his soccer team and just begin to pray for them and, and invite them to church. By the end of that soccer season, his entire soccer team had put their hope and their faith in Jesus. Because he made a stand, saying, I, ca- I cannot be quiet because God has moved inside of me and the Spirit is inside of me. I cannot stop talking about this and so I'm going to pray for my lost friends. I'm going to invite them to things. I'm going to answer their questions and I'm going to let them know that they matter to me and that I love them. And his soccer team has been radically transformed because of it. And for Peter and for John, there was no plan B. They, they were compelled to tell the world. They were compelled to go. They're, 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 they had been filled. Their life was no longer their own. Philippians one twenty one says, For to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even, even better. Because when we have experienced the movements of God, we will never, ever be the same Our life is no longer our own. It is His. Verse 23. And as soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had had said. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God, O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, You spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, Why are the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle, and the rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. And in fact, this has happened here in this very city. For Herod, Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant. Whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand in healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they preached the word of God. With boldness. Let's not forget where Peter and John just were. They were just standing before the Sanhedrin, standing before the, the same religious leaders that just crucified Jesus. I feel like if this were me, that I would have prayed a different prayer, one more of protection than of boldness. I I feel that that I would have said, please, Lord, let us do everything without them ever knowing. I know in the safety of my own home that I still pray every single day for protection. Protection for me, protection for my wife, for my children. I I pray for for the protection of my home and, and, and my security and my safety. These Jesus followers, they prayed for boldness, for boldness to continue to speak in the face of adversity. William Willimon, he says, it is God's business to heal and to work signs and wonders in the name of Jesus. It is the community's business to speak the word with boldness in the midst of the mighty acts of God. And they prayed for boldness. They prayed that that God would give them the courage to continue to speak and to continue to say the name Jesus in a place where they were not allowed to. So, what? So, what does this mean? How does this apply to me? How does, how do I make sense of this in my life? And I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page that, that, that that this is a different kind of boldness than putting a Jesus fish on the back of your car. This is a different type of boldness than wearing a WWJD bracelet. This is, different, this is a different type of boldness than that. This is, this is the type of boldness that they prayed for that is going to people that are hurting and people that are in desperate need of, of, of hope and of life and of love. This is going to those places, boldly proclaiming the name of Jesus. These common, uneducated men with, with no formal training... Or schooling can speak with boldness to the educated, to the elite. And that same boldness that they were given is inside of us. That same spirit that was upon them is now upon us. And we too can go boldly. The religious leaders and one of their shortcomings was that they knew of God from a book. They knew of the things that he had done. They knew of the things that that he was about. But this new movement of Jesus' people, they knew of Jesus because they walked with Jesus. Because they were there with Jesus. Jesus. And so their experiences were overflowing. Like, they, they, they knew that Jesus would show up in this moment because he showed up in this moment. And they know that he would be present in this situation because he was present in this situation. And so they knew these things. They, 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 this, wasn't, this wasn't a far cry. They prayed for boldness because they knew that when they did, that God would show up. And when we take that same message the one that changes lives and rewrites stories. When we take that message of hope to the furthest reaches of the world, and that spirit's going to be inside of us as well. Mark sixteen, fifteen says, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. The good news. This good news makes me wonder a little bit. It makes me wonder if, if the good news that we have, the good news that we hold on to, the good news that we proclaim, is this still the same good news that it was then? Is the good news that we have, is it really for the orphan? Is the good news that we are proclaiming, is it really for the widows? Is our good news really for people who are finding themselves over and over and over again in in the gutters of life and they're reaching out for help? Is our good news that we are saying, is it really for all people? Is our good news for the students that are struggling with the big questions of, is my life really worth it? Is our good news really for the fathers who have just received terrible, terrible news? Is our good news good news to everyone? Or is it just good news to middle class America? Is our good news still good news? Acts thirteen forty seven says, I have made you a light to the Gentiles to bring salvation to the furthest corners of the earth. The farthest corners with boldness. The furthest corners of the world with boldness. Some of you here in this room right now, like there's something that's stirring inside of you because you know where your furthest corner is. For some of you it may be some remote village in, in in Africa like you you know right now that this is where God is calling you and you just need to go because that is where that's where your heart is breaking For others of you your furthest corner may be across the street It may be extending hope and love and peace to a neighbor And for still some other of you, your furthest corner may be across the dinner table. Where is the Spirit leading you right now? Where is your furthest corner? Where, where, where is He wooing you and beckoning you to come and speak hope and truth and love with boldness? Where is your Furtherest corners. We Jesus people, we are bold. When we have been filled with the Spirit, no man, no organization, no establishment, nothing can stand against it. You pray with me. God, I love you so much. And I thank you for today. And I thank you for the way that you're moving, the way that you're breathing your spirit into this place. But God, I pray that we would go from here with boldness. I pray that we would go from here as your hands and your feet and your mouth. God, I pray that the places that we go, Lord, that we would bring your hope, your peace. God, I pray that you, God, I pray that we feel you. Here in the next couple of moments, we're going to move into a time of response. And we have some prayer people up on the sides of the, the auditorium next to the blue lights. And if, if, if you feel led, if you just need to go talk to someone, I encourage you to not leave this place before sharing with someone and praying. We also have some sign or some sheets of paper that if you just need to write something, maybe you need to write a prayer or maybe that is your first step of boldness. Whatever it is, I I, I challenge you not to leave this place until you do that.